Hello and welcome to Coffee Meets with Alchemy Consulting, a series of podcasts aimed at providing insight from key players in the wealth and asset management industry on what it means to run and operate an investment management business in the context of COVID-19. Today's topic is COVID-19 has steered an enormous amount of rapid innovation in industries such as medicine, pharmaceuticals, and retail, along with other sectors. Are we anticipating similar changes or disruptions in the wealth management industry? Joining me today, Dimitri Bagroff and Colin Bennett. Morning, Colin. Your LinkedIn profiles describes you as a head of distribution, a strategist, innovator, author, and speaker. So I want to point out that you're here in a personal capacity, but great to have you here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Dimitri Bagroff, Managing Director of Data Art UK, is a digital innovation transformation strategy expert as well as an entrepreneur. Morning, Chris. Thank you. Um, before we start, if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, you'll realise that we always have a fun question. Now, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your backgrounds, particularly Colin, who has piqued my interest with the fact he, in an early life, used to blow things up for a living. So when has coffee had a disruptive effect on your working life? given disruption is going to be a key discussion topic. Colin, if I go to you, you're on your innovation journey. What's led you to be passionate about this topic? Absolutely. I started off my career as an engineer. You know, the classic sort of um, building Lego toys, building things, designing things. I always started yeah. to try and invent things. And I've taken that passion through my career um, from blowing things up with the Defence Research Agency and actually turning that into innovative solutions to actually uh, reduce the risk of our airline industry to then um, actually taking those forward into computer modeling and innovating by representing in in a kind of digital twin type world the models that we could actually utilize at a lower cost to again improve the um, either client experience or reduce the risk of the um, phenomenon we were investigating. And then throughout my career in financial services, it's always been around delivering that client experience in the most innovative way. Dimitri, you're very much technology-based. Your innovation journey, tell us about where that started and, and, and how you got to where you are. I started my career in IT from sort of a sideways or left field even. My first job was assistant in an internet cafe, which was one of the first shops where you could buy coffee and uh, surf internet back in St. Petersburg, Russia. It was early 90s and um, I mean internet was not really that popular in the West even. Can you imagine something like that in uh, St. Petersburg? Hard to believe, yes. And I think that's when both of my passions started at the same time, coffee and uh, technology. (laughs) And I guess in a certain way, because I was working as an interpreter more than anything, helping people to deal with uh, translation between English and Russian and technology and everyday life. And I think that's what I'm doing ever since. I'm translating between technology and business and technology and uh, everyday world. What have you seen around the industry over the pandemic? Well, I mean, it's been fascinating with the rapid transitions that have happened. So they say COVID is, is the, you know, one of the biggest catalysts that has happened. It's made people focus that there is only the online way of doing things while we had social distancing. So that really put in sharp focus uh, the new ways of doing things. And... We've been hit with a tsunami of webcasts, you know, webinars, <laughs> podcasts, yeah. you know, 
I'm on one now, but these type of mediums and content sort of being driven across has had a massive um, impact really, I, th I think, in terms of driving either marketing teams or distribution teams, contacting clients and putting them in contact with the talent within the organization to actually explain what's happening in these times. And naturally, digital has hit those buttons quite um, hard and well equally within the operations and across the businesses. Literally overnight, many of us um, worked from home and it was surprising how seamless it was, although the plans and everything was in place. The cultural side of things were kind of potentially a worry if we hadn't have done this before, but it happens well and people worked very well together. And I've really seen a difference in organisations that were used to using video conferencing and collaboration technologies as in their day-to-day um, work versus those that potentially hadn't they've had a tougher ride maybe it's taken three four weeks for them to get fully up to speed or ship laptops out to people because they didn't have that sort of anytime anywhere any place type mentality where you could work and do your job wherever you were and then you have the supply chain resilience the operational resilience side of things the logistics I've heard through others in the, the industry that, for example, it's not every day that India goes on lockdown and the outsourcing arrangements with your third parties and potentially is at risk because the guys are working from home and they don't have broadband or they might not have a computer. There's risks there that maybe have surfaced. I've seen a sort of trend of people almost bringing stuff back in-house where we're sensible and to actually bring that operational risk under control. Uh, again, it's something observed elsewhere, but it's, it's quite an interesting trend. And I suppose just to finish off on that, I was actually taken aback by an Ernst & Young report recently that within the last few weeks about cost-income ratios and how there is actually a trend to insource. Um, I like a bit of insourcing. I'm a big supporter of it. And for yeah. a number of reasons, because you hold on to your competitive advantage. It's almost um, counterintuitive in a way, if you think the more that you digitise your processes you're more likely then to outsource it's just purely about a risk play in in terms of controlling your data and cybersecurity, which we've sort of touched upon on previous episodes absolutely dimitri given that sort of great potted view of what uh, colin's seen how have you seen that and and particularly if you can bring anything in from uh, maybe some of your clients anything that you can bring from other industries that you think is relevant i think i'm gonna throw in something a little bit hopefully unexpected good i don't think quite honestly there's been that much of innovation if you if you think about what innovation actually means it, it means something radically new it means a new idea new method new way of doing things to a very large extent what is happening now is not new Zoom has existed before. Working from home has been there before. Remote education has been there before. Digital way of doing things, e-commerce, online shopping. I would really struggle to name something that hasn't been there before and suddenly appeared during this particular crisis. What I think is particularly interesting about the current situation is the rate of acceptance has sped up enormously when people have no other way of you cannot really go to the office you have to work from home 
you will find a way to organize your teams and, and make sure they can work effectively from home. I think it's important to highlight we're not actually dealing with any new technology or tools or anything new. What we're dealing with is massive penetration of all these tools. They have been there for some mm-hmm. of them for dozens of years, but they're now they're now widely accepted. Previously, people had the luxury of uh, saying, oh, well, I don't really want to learn how to set up uh, my team in a distributed manner. I will just have everyone sitting in the same office and they would be just fine. Well, guess what? Now there's no luxury like that. Now you have to do it in a distributed manner. And it turns out, well, you can do it. <clears throat> that That's my view on the current situation. There's a, a sort of a undercurrent of people being surprised at oh we dealt with this new situation quite comfortably the reason is it's not new if it was something radically new it would have been different my career started around the um, time when internet started disrupting pretty much everything that was different I remember one of the first events we ever held in London back in sort of 2007 was around uh, travel industry and uh, whether the traditional booking agent, the high street agent, would survive. We had people on the panel who were saying, no, 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 even in 15 years' time, people would still go to the high street agent and they would book their flights. No. They don't. So that was innovation. That was radically different. So even though people are doing this before, the innovation is about a broad cultural uh, It's a a massive cultural shift. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I absolutely agree. There was a really good anecdote. I was actually looking at exactly this point. We were looking at video communication and all this sort of thing. And I was presenting literally last week. I did a search on my hard drive for video and I found a presentation from 20 years ago for Streaming Media Europe, where I did a keynote around banking the benefits of video. And the exact same presentation that I did last week, almost slide by slide, was 20 years ago, exactly the same. Well, not the same technologies, but the same concepts and pretty much everything was exactly the same. But it's seen as innovation today, but it's been around for for many years. So we're we're getting to a point where there is no innovation. (laughs) Everything is just... (laughs) This is sustainably recycled. Uh, yeah. I was going to say there is innovation in a way that um, video was not there. Uh, when I started my career, my, one of the first projects was the uh, channel that decided that video conferencing was the thing that people would use. And no one believed him. I mean, everyone was saying there's not enough bandwidth. There is innovation. But what we're dealing with now is, is, let's call it cultural innovation. Does this mean that we're ready as an industry uh, and an economy to look at the big ticket items like big data, AI? We probably are, but we've always been a technology-driven industry. I mean, we've always had data at our core. We're financial organizations. We deal with numbers. It's always been really our lifeblood. We've always utilized data science, maybe not as extensively as we will be in in the future, 
But again, I'm not aware of really too much AI or, or that is actually going on at the moment. But at the moment, there's always that hybrid approach. We do need one of these, whether you call them a COVIDian event or something like that, that will actually you know, move us in levels of maturity ahead for AI. But I don't think the technology is even there yet, really, to be broadly adopted. And will this asset management where there may be lots of data, but it's often very siloed, which has opened it up to Silicon Valley, you know, tech giants to come in with their tools, potentially and disrupt that industry. Will that be the next step? There could well be a lot, a lot of disruption around there. The Google, Facebooks, Amazons and, and others similar, they can really add a lot of value at that client interface level and the personalization level. But I do worry about the regulation. That's the thing that all, I always stop at is how do they do it? Look at Netflix. You know, if Netflix didn't have the rating scheme, you'll be delivering unsuitable content to unsuitable viewers. You need that rating scheme. And in financial services, unfortunately, there is a rating scheme and there, there is a legal framework and there is suitability. And you do have to deliver the right products and services to the right people and give the right advice. So personalization is difficult. It's not impossible, but it, there are challenges there that I think are, are bigger than maybe most people realize. Dimitri, any, any thoughts on the, on the future in response to that? I, I, I think necessity is a great motivator. Because I work with different industries, travel, financial, healthcare, it's really interesting to observe how certain things which deem to be huge issues in one industry have actually been solved in another sometimes years ago. At some point, travel online travel industry was solving a problem of dealing with uh, data sources because they get data about flights and car rentals and hotels from multiple sources and multiple formats. Guess what? Financial industry has been dealing with that problem for years. In wealth management, for example, it's really pays to first start understanding what's the problem. So, the current crisis, for example. Could it be that you now actually have to deal with valuations which are changing like that? You know, market changes, companies, valuation change, everything changes. What you had to do previously over the course of a couple of months, you now actually have to do every day. So there's nothing new in what you do, but you actually have to do it quicker. That's where automation comes into picture and where you benefit from machine learning, data analysis, data visualization. You still would need to have certain human elements because you cannot really give everything to technology. Going back to Colin on this, particularly in the asset management industry, will this be the catalyst for, the, for people thinking in a different way and therefore disrupting, transforming the industry? Will leadership be more prepared to take it on rather than the, sit in the status quo? I, th- I think there will be. I think the future is in sharp focus for a lot of leadership now. Things that they thought m- may never happen have happened. We're about to potentially move into a great recession. There's a lot of things happening and, and a lot of events could be precipitated from that sort of socioeconomic soup. Boards, stakeholders, etc. they do need to share a common I suppose, look at the future together, what problems they're actually going to be solving. If you have your blinkered lens on, 
you're never going to be able to deliver the, the right solution. In the future, in this fourth industrial revolution, it's a distributed um, architecture. It's all these new things that are happening that aren't, aren't, people aren't, aren't used to. I'm, I'm actually writing a paper at the moment for my final project on a digital leadership course with Warwick Business School, and the topic is around boards and the skills and one of the things that jumped out at me was an MIT study that they said that they looked at companies that had tech expertise on their boards they saw higher revenue growth and return on assets and market capitalization growth and the numbers are you've actually got a 34 percent return on assets if you've got three or more technically savvy directors on the board and they looked at over I think it was 1,200 companies with a, a, a turnover of over a billion in revenue. They really saw a massive difference of people that had a, a technology. We are becoming a tech-driven or, or organizations or sector. If data is the new fuel, you do need technology skills. And it becomes like um, in the pre-industrial or capitalist era where you needed financial skills to be a CFO and to be on the board, you needed knowledge of finance going forward. I think probably time to sum up what I've taken away from this podcast. Talked about collaboration and how Colin mentioned that you know, some players have done better than others uh, based on their sort of readiness to work with via video conferencing. You mentioned supply chain logistics and maybe we're going to see some insourcing in future. I think the curveball from Dimitri was uh, there is no new innovation. It's certainly from a technology perspective. It's just about penetration. And then finally, that the follow-on from that is, is about understanding the problem and particularly the leadership, the board, uh, making sure that they are educated or maybe that the demographic of that needs to change. Certainly being tech savvy is going to be the key to a successful organisation in the future. Which brings us to the fun part of this podcast, which is coffee and disruption. What is your uh, most disrupted coffee event? The whole thing about coffee shops has been a huge disruptor because I started my career pretty much on the other side. When I had to move to business development, one of the biggest obstacles was I'm an introvert. I'm naturally shy. It's really hard for me. A way of fixing that problem for me was going to coffee shops in the city of London and just uh, randomly trying to figure out, well, if I had to talk to that particular person, how would I do that? And then actually make it into a conversation. And in a way, it was a coffee turned out to be a huge disruptor for, for me, for my career, because I, I somehow managed to build a little bit more confidence based on coffee shops. Colin, coffee and disruption with maybe a little bit of blowing up. Strangely, I, I have got an explosive coffee story. Um, post Lockerbie trials, um, we, we were experimenting with the, the charges and packs of material and see what the penetration were for the fragmentation effects. And I ran a series of trials to literally blow things up, a variety of things. And I always remember one occasion we got interrupted by some special services coming into the bomb chamber to, to blow something up because they needed to find something out very quickly. And it interrupted our setup. So we all ran out, got, had to go into the bunker. And then I came out, got our trial set up. Then we went to set it off. We had these high-speed cinematography cameras of, I think it was over 10,000 frames per second, all set up, full kit, everything, right, explode. 
I forgot my coffee cup was in there. So <laughs> in our results, we were examining them. We have a red hot coffee cup that actually is steaming in 10,000 frames per second. And you can see all the detail of it absolutely exploding as the charge um, gets set off. So we exploded our, my coffee cup. Um, accidentally um, and what it taught me was always triple check your environment before you actually you know set set it in motion it's like you had that story ready for me thank you colin thank you very much um for joining us on this podcast i hope everyone enjoyed this conversation and we look forward to grabbing another cup of coffee with you all in the next of our series of podcasts on the impact of covid19 on the asset and wealth management industry Okay, thanks everyone and thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with the next installment of Coffee with Algamy Consulting. It's goodbye from us. Thank you.